listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And as always, we have Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and undergoing the thankless task of booking in all of our private jet flights around Europe coming up soon. (laughs) (laughs) It's a reasonable expense, Mitch. We heard there was a job going at the OECD. Not Good Enough have nominated ourselves to become the head of the OECD, despite the fact that we don't know what it does, but we are pretty sure it's somehow involved with Jeffrey Epstein and a whole bunch of redacted information. (laughs) I mean, it's a bunch of rich people. Look, I'm just looking forward to our conference on Little St. James Island. (laughs) (laughs) They bought it for a deal. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna talk about this as a whole story, and we started looking it up, and then like especially Isaac was like, "I'm just reading about it more. I don't give a shit." Yeah, yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> just a bunch of neoliberal money schmoozers. Yeah. yeah, who cares? What do the OECD do? Oh, they do a lot of meetings, and they have a lot of uh, like agreements and disagreements, and then they make recommendations. Oh, can they do anything legally binding at all? Nah, it's about coming together. Oh, who's involved in it? Oh, Richard Branson and the Queen of Jordan are there. It's like, oh Jesus, fuck! <laughs> it's just a really Really cool tax break. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the Adam Sandler movies of fucking like global geopolitical jet setting. Like they just sort of get together. And like, are we still working on getting fossil fuel money? Yep. Good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like the the coverage is like, oh, we can't let Matthias Corman become Secretary General of the OECD. He's a climate denier. <laughs> he, he shouldn't be in the role. Instead, you got to look at who else is on there. Oh, I guess Donald Trump, Chief of Staff. <laughs> the, oh, all right. <laughs> From what I can Who tell, cares? the OECD is just like a PR department for the concept of the GDP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it's- oh, 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 guys, 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 guys. It's the Organisation for the Excusing of Climate Denial. We got there. This was worth including. <laughs> 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 Gladys Berejiklian is back in the news this week. Who who was hoping we'd fucking get rid of her? Um, well, oh. we haven't even talked about it. What, this do, is... what do you mean back in the news? She hasn't left. We just yeah. haven't. I guess we just haven't spoken about her on the pod. We we keep mentioning her as like the, you know, Kramer's cousin in Seinfeld or whatever. Who like cops are <laughs> mentioned every two episodes, but never actually. Sh- Gladys Berejiklian's corruption is in the news again, but we're I not going to talk about it. Not good enough. I just had a really fucking weird thought though. Is that whole phrase of like, oh, back in the news, and like quite clearly she has hasn't actually left. This is one of the big points that we always try to make on the podcast is that like no journalists really ever try to link things in the moment. And so when they say, oh, back in the news, it's because of this tiny news story. Don't worry about the rest of it. Just this one tiny little thing that we have to focus on for the moment and then forget about. It's like, she, yeah, it's the, the story is she is corrupt. Holy shit. As opposed to, well, she did this one thing, then she did this other thing. And this week she's doing another thing. And this is another thing. It's like, no, 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 no. Stop. A fucking second. Let's look at let's look at Gladys Berejiklian holistically. Ah, oh, she's mm. shit. That's the story. That's the whole. Mitch, thing. I think it's really hard to get down on a strong woman who's been persecuted in the media about her bad Fuck boyfriend. Up. It's it's Shut kind up. of sexist, actually. Which she's the the New South Wales state girl boss. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the passion of Berejiklian. You, you're just. Fucking- <laughs> I will not stand for this podcast being down on strong women constantly. Mm. Yes, you will. You're the worst for it. (laughs) Can we be specific? What are we down on this strong woman for? What's she bloody done? So, So rolling back just a little bit, 
We had Gladys Berejiklian going in front of the New South Wales corruption investigations and just having to admit to knowing a bunch of corrupt stuff, involved in a bunch of corrupt stuff, all this different shit that's come out over the last few weeks that you would have heard yeah, so about. So, the, the bunch of corrupt stuff is not like, oh, she knew... Basically, she was dating a corrupt MP mm-hmm. who was skimming money off the top of property deals and, like, organising favourable property deals to developers to help them get past, you know, mm-hmm. certain regulations yeah. or whatever... And, and taking money off the top. And he was having an affair with Gladys Berejikli and the, the Premier of New South Wales and telling her about this stuff and mm-hmm. saying that he was using her office for it. And whenever he would tell her about this stuff, she'd be like, oh, don't tell me about that. should be on the record. And these calls, like these recorded calls came out in a corruption investigation of her being like, oh, I'm looking the other way, though. Like explicitly mm-hmm. saying, like, yeah. don't tell me about the corruption, buddy. Yeah. And... Uh, what? Her whole defense is like, but I wasn't involved in the corruption and I didn't know about it because when he told me about it, I told him to shush. And that's like her full defense. As you as you know, it's it's legal to us to say, like, I didn't know, I'm not listening, and that means you didn't know. And we're yeah, listening. it's the la 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 not listening defense. It's very effective. One thing before we get onto the stuff that happened just this fucking week, I do. I, I always really like pointing out that despite all of that, like, ooh, please don't tell me about that. Ooh, I'm not listening to that. She also just on record gave her boyfriend's electorate forty thousand dollars from her own discretionary fund, which is just recorded. Like she just gave the. It, it's so fucking blatant and obvious. It's such a weird thing to do. Like for all the ideas of like you know the political machinations at the top level are so clandestine. It's like nah, here's some money. Love you. Mwah, mwah. Like yeah, garbage. <laughs> so anyway, that's what she's been the, in the, the news. Part for. of the part of the reason as well is um that that we're hating on this is because when she's been grilled about this stuff, her defense has consistently been, oh well, you know who among us hasn't made a bad decision for love? Like, oh, my personal life has been difficult. Oh, I thought I was in love with him blah 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 as though that was the problem yeah yeah gladys out at brunch with the girls being like i've done a bunch of corruption and they're like you get yours honey Look. <laughs> <laughs> they're like don't know. tell us about that gladys <laughs> and then yeah they all giggle because everyone fucking knows that's it's a charade anyway all of that is to say that even up into this week when she's been free of icac in new south wales and hasn't been having to, like, defend her boyfriend's old actions and her involvement in it, she still can't help but just be corrupt all the time and just, like, admit to corruption. In the space of one week, we've discovered that Gladys Berejiklian got a COVID test and didn't isolate while she was waiting for the results, which which does genuinely like mean- the rule. She thought she might have COVID and yet didn't self-isolate. You do Love not it. get a test if you genuinely and honestly think you do not have COVID. That's uh, the thing. I think that's wrong. I think she genuinely didn't think she had COVID. She was like, oh, I'm just going to do the test because, you know, I'm supposed to. An and abundance then of But why are you supposed to? Afterwards. But the caution didn't extend to actually following the rules around getting That's what the I'm test. saying. Yeah. Yeah. You, like, if she had absolutely no symptoms whatsoever and you didn't get the test, you, you don't self-isolate. And it's like the, the rule. I'm just saying the rules are in place yeah. for a reason. It's not just arbitrary. Do you know what I mean? Because oh, sure. That's exactly what she's ignored. like. Oh, I've got symptoms of COVID, but if I actually had COVID, that would be me facing some kind of life consequence, which doesn't <laughs> happen to me. So uh, clearly, it's not COVID. It's also important to note she got one of those super tests for rich people, which gets her back the results like within was it like nine hours or something. Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. Yeah, it was a two-hour test. So she couldn't. 
self-isolate for 90 minutes. She's very busy, like. Girl boss. She, she, no, she couldn't self-isolate for 90 minutes. She was like, oh, yeah, I had a couple of meetings. Now, if you're asking me if in hindsight I should have just taken them remotely or delayed <laughs> them, yeah, I should have. But that's not what happened. No. And somehow this constitutes a defence. In hindsight, <laughs> should I have followed the rules that I specifically and my government enforces? Well, yes. So uh, In foresight as well. <laughs> so, so there was that yeah, It's just It doesn't constitute a defence That is it constitutes An admission Did I fuck up? <laughs> I fucked up If you're asking me If I did the wrong thing uh, Yes If you're asking me If I should be punished No and That's all I have to say about Are that. you asking me now Am I aware of what The right thing would have been Well yes And I was aware at the time as well <laughs> Which Which again Like this was her That was essentially Her defence For the second thing We found out this week Which was that She just openly admitted To pork barrelling In New South Wales Oh this which is so barreling. funny She's just basically which like is- Yeah This is the thing That everyone does And it's like Yeah you're not supposed To say that out loud though <laughs> Yeah. So, so pork barreling is the practice of basically directing government funds to places that are electorally advantageous to you instead of where they need to be valuably spent. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the problem with the entire sports rod scandal. Yeah. And Gladys Berejiklian got caught 100% red-handed doing that. That is, she shredded a bunch of documents that were the evidence that she'd done it, and they reconstituted the documents and were like, yeah, she did it. And her response to that was being like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> but but everyone in the government does it, she said. It's it's yeah. it's just a thing we all do. And it's like, yeah, that's the problem. You yeah, all do it. That's the problem. The problem is everyone does it. That doesn't mean it's okay. <laughs> that means everyone's engaged in a problem. I, I've got to say, I made a lot of jokes about Gladys being like a girl boss and like, you know, Yas Queen and stuff like that. But this is definitely the one thing that I would consider extremely aspirational. Like, I just want to like be able to have the confidence to just go out there and say, I did this crime. Cool. So what? I did a crime. Let's just get on with our lives. I'm going to keep on doing crimes. (laughs) Because pork barreling is not a crime. There's no, it's not criminal to do it. It's just flagrantly subverting the democratic will of the people. Mm. It's not a crime. It's just undermining democracy in the most cold and calculated way. And she did do that and give her credit. She admitted to doing it proudly. (laughs) But also, Evie, your thing of, you know, power to it. Like, that's the thing with corruption and all, all this shit is... That's why we have rules is because, yeah, everybody wants to be corrupt. Everyone wants to do things that benefit themselves on the public dollar. No one wants to isolate while waiting for a COVID test. But that's fucking that's why we have rules. Like, if you have everybody just doing the thing that benefits them, then that's like Mad Max anarchy. Uh, (laughs) I've got to say, I've got to take a little bit of issue with that, Lang. Yeah. Because I took a COVID test a little while ago because I had symptoms. And I did want to isolate because I didn't want to infect anyone with COVID. Ah, right. No, no, no. But that wasn't for your good. That was for the good of the people around you. Because you've internalised doing the right thing for society, which our elected representatives have not. <laughs> right. But when you say nobody wants to isolate after a COVID test, like what I'm saying only is, okay, sociopaths okay. don't want to isolate after a COVID test. Nobody's id wants to isolate <laughs> Right, so my my issue is 
I I had my ego get in the way, yeah, you, you, unlike the Premier of New South Wales, exactly. <laughs> who was like, I want to get money and I want to fuck. <laughs> and, that's all, and that's all I care about. <laughs> oh, no. You know how, like... Every, every, like, couple of months, there's, like, some article for women to, like, how to be confident in their jobs. Like, what kind of advice do you reckon they give to, like, corrupt women in power that's, like, you know, do you need to, like, stop up talking to, like, be able to get away with doing pork barreling or do you have to not say like every five seconds it, it just to, like, get a slush fund? All I'm saying is that everyone does it. Why should I face consequences? For doing pork barreling? That's crazy. <laughs> Gladys Berejiklian go on red skirt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this 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 whole thing is 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 it, it 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 is just fine to break rules as an MP these days. Hmm. That's that's a thing that uh, it, it's just it's become transparently very true. Hey guys, that's what Everyone's started breaking this podcast. Rules remember, constantly, and nobody's facing consequences. Imagine you today found just hard proof that a sitting MP was in violation, direct, unambiguous violation of Section 44 of the Australian Constitution, which, imagine, like, do you reckon you could get them to resign or stand down (laughs) or anything? Just being like, oh, I found it. They're in violation of Section 44. And every single MP would be like, yeah, everyone is. There was a whole controversy. So many people were found to be in violation of Section 44. Nobody resigned. Except for the Greens. Why would somebody resign over that now? And it's like, when that went down, they didn't say everyone's in violation, so clearly Section 44 is a stupid rule and we should change it so it's not a rule anymore. Mm. It just became a sort of thing where the government was like, that one's fine to break. Don't worry about that. We all agreed that that was fine and we wouldn't care about it because we tested it and people got away with it. So, I guess we can get away with that. Yeah. And so, it's a situation where they're just like, if enough MPs get away with breaking a rule, mm. it's not a rule anymore. It's still a written law, mm. but it's okay. Don't worry about it. And th- 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 we just see that constantly where it's like, oh, well, you know, like Bridget McKenzie didn't resign when she got found doing massive amounts of pork barreling. Mm. So now pork barreling's okay. And yeah. we get Gladys fucking Berejiklian getting up in front of the press and being like, yeah, it was pork barreling, but... Did we not learn anything out of the sports rod scandal? Pork barreling is okay. So, of course, I'm not going to resign because it's fine. It's an okay rule to break. Once you're at the level of of being an MP or a premier or something, really the the only thing you're accountable to, the only law that you can really be held by unless you shoot somebody, is your peers. Um, And... So, really, you don't so much have a law above you as you just have social norms around you. And those can yeah. be shifted. And if you get enough of your peer pressure happening that you can shift those social norms, suddenly you can get away with things that you are not technically meant to get away with. Yeah. They, <clears> they, they, they're they just not facing any consequence. That's why it's fucking called corruption, right? They're literally it's above if the you, law. If you break a little rule and get away with it, that rule stops mattering. Wow. And now the next person to break that rule can do so with impunity because they're like, oh, so-and-so got away with it. So, it's fine. Like, it's not just a symbolic thing of like, oh, corruption, we call it corruption because corruption means bad. It, it, it's like, it's corruption because it, it, it it's a spreading, you know, deteriorate. What's the, what's the word? Deteriorative. Uh, Corrupting. 
It's yeah, it's a, it's a corrupting influence. <laughs> yeah. it, it breaks things and it ruins them. You 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 get away with a bit of corruption on a particular rule. That rule stops applying. That yes. rule has been corrupted. The the word has started to lose meaning because it is applied to these things where no consequence happens afterwards. And so, like, I, I have seen a little bit of people trying to correct that by calling things like a corrosive influence. It means mm-hmm. the same thing, but even that is starting to have less of an impact. But, yeah, you're you're exactly right, McLean. It cannot be thought of as just a signifier for badness. It is something that, if it is not addressed, has to make things worse in the future. That is what corruption is. Yeah, it's the yeah, violation yeah. of norms that, okay, so what are the norms now? And what, like, you know, how have they changed that this keeps happening? Are they, like, and you have to start thinking about the wider context of, you know, the deterioration mm. of those norms. So, really, it, it is related to that thing of you've got to connect the dots. Gladys Berejiklian shouldn't just have a an article pop up about her once every couple of weeks that are separate. She needs a wiki page that is constantly updated. <laughs> well, it's, it's not even just Gladys Berejiklian. Like, Gladys mm. Berejiklian can get up in front of the press and say, I did pork barreling and it's okay because we spent months talking about Bridget McKenzie doing pork barreling and we were like, and that's not okay. This is a big scandal. But then nothing happened to Bridget McKenzie. Mm. And so, clearly, the thing that we've learned is if you do pork barreling, nothing happens to you. Yeah. It's almost like we need a some kind of federal anti-corruption body. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was the thing. And we didn't... Did we not report on that a couple of weeks ago? It's too late. It's too late. I shouldn't have brought it up. What, what, did, what did we not report on? Well, didn't, didn't, didn't they have something where they agreed that there'd be some kind of federal anti-corruption body, but it was so incredibly yeah. weak? We, 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 oh, yeah, we, we, think we talked about that because they were just like, yeah, it's not going to be <clears throat> empowered to prosecute crimes or investigate things that happened in the past. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so everyone get all your corruption in now, and as soon as we kick this thing off, then we're squeaky clean. And it also wouldn't apply to a whole bunch of stuff that it really needed to apply to. Yeah, it can only apply to things that constitute an actual crime as opposed to things like, oh, I don't know, corruption, <laughs> like pork barreling. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, Mitch. We're a government and we pass legislation. And if we put forward some anti-corrupt legislation in front of a fully corrupt government, no one's going to vote for it, okay? <laughs> so, but this is big pragmatic here. This is the other thing, though, as well, is that we still have fucking, like, just terrible takes from the media and, you know, just some people believe as well. It's like, well, Lang, if you've got this huge big problem with what's not taking place at New South Wales government, then you know what? In a couple of years' time, you can bloody vote out and my job as a journalist is just to report the truth and then you can decide and then you can vote them out and it's like well firstly the two major parties don't give a shit anyway they're in lockstep so you know the Labour are going to do the exact same type of pork barreling if they have the opportunity to do so but also I don't know why I should vote them out because it's not being reported on properly Mm. Like, it's just these, like, unconnected instances of badness. Ah, oh, forget about it. Don't worry about it. Do like, your own yeah, research. That's, that's the full punishment for corruption, is Sam journal being like, and we'll see if the electorate remembers this <laughs> yeah. at the election in 2022. <laughs> oh, I hate articles where, like, oh, how's Gladys Berejiklian going to spin this? And it's like, no, 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 how are you going to spin this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me a question in your article. You're the journal. Answer my questions. Speaking of journalists with horrible centrist brain not doing their job properly, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a tweet that we want to talk about uh, this week from ABC Morning Radio host uh, Virginia Trioli. She used to be on ABC Breakfast TV. Um, she was in a discussion with some people. Um, I do just want to say that for all the horribleness that Twitter brings forth, it is actually pretty good to see a lot of different people in masks off situations because we would never know about this <laughs> if it wasn't for Twitter and, you know, just some early morning or late night tweets from people just like, oh, you're like that, are you? But anyway, Virginia Trioli... <laughs> what happened, Mitch? <laughs> Virginia Trioli was in a discussion about um, politics and, and, and voting and the parties that are in power and the objectivity of journalists and whatnot. And someone like snitch tagged her into like, hey, wait a minute, doesn't uh, Virginia Trioli donkey vote? And she was like, ah, no. And she tweeted out, I cross out the ballots. It's so I can truly say I don't have a personal interest in the outcome of any election. I don't care who runs the country, but I care passionately about how it's run. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is lucky because there is absolutely no connection between who is running the country and how it's being run. This is like the idea of like being um, pure about both sidism, but like on steroids. Like I've never seen yeah. anything so funny. Like There's so much in it. It's she like definitely it is, thinks it's she's dense. really smart for this too. <laughs> did yeah. I did I miss the ballot paper where you get to vote on policies independently <laughs> from voting on parties? Cause that'd be great. The the bit that the bit that really fucks with me is this so I can truly say I don't have a personal interest in the outcome of the election. Oh, my God. Is she Dr. Manhattan? The, the thing that that rests on completely is the idea that once you voted for someone, now you have a personal interest. Until you've <laughs> cast your vote, you didn't have a personal interest. And now you've cast your vote, you do have a personal interest. Mm. Like, this is so, so deep into politics as sports ball that it, it's just like... You know, oh, now I've decided to barrack for that team. So if that team wins, I also win. Like, it's, yeah. it's flabbergasting. I can't engage with this idea. It, it's so yeah, it's the, crazy. It's the idea that, like, you know what? I'm not going to place a bet on any team. I just want to see a good, strong game, and I want to have a lot of fun watching it unfold. Yeah, yeah good effort, like, lads. Yeah, yeah, the difference between politics and sports, though, is that like the idea. I don't want to have a personal interest in the outcome of an election. That only makes sense if you're not a fucking citizen in this country in which you have to vote. You, yeah. no matter what, have a personal interest. You can either ignore it or not, but you have an interest in the outcome of an election. Also, also, it's a secret ballot. No one's forcing you to disclose it. It's secret. <laughs> you can oh, just say, well, I'm thing. not that's telling. Her personal interest is just, uh, it, it's a secret ballot, so her personal <clears throat> interest is purely coming from, like, the, the maximum amount of interest that she can imagine someone having in an election is the feeling of my guy won. Mm. And that's it. That's where it caps out for her but because she's a wealthy intellectual. Yeah. So, of, I think intellectual fucking is a gives bit a strong. shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's Evie, the thing. She's, a, she's a public QED. intellectual in Australia's intellectual sphere, oh which is like a cadre of the dumbest fucking ghouls that have ever existed. I just want to roll back a little bit. QED on Evie being the worst about girl bosses on this podcast. I just want to throw it out. <laughs> but the, yep, like, this is, it, it is, it's, it's, it's genuinely flabbergasting as well because it's that idea of like, I mean, it might be the idea. I don't know what's in the heart of man, but like, does she live and breathe her job as a quote unquote journalist that hard that when it comes down to like, 
the running of the country and the future for her children and how her friends are treated and how people that she knows are taxed and all of that. She's like, ah, but before I am a human, I am a journalist and I must Mm. be objective in all things, which like one, you can't be. And two- Vote in the election, you fuckhead! (laughs) We've got we've got an outright climate denialist party running versus like one that's largely captured by fossil fuel interests as well. But like at least vote for the Greens or something. I looked Virginia Trioli up on Wikipedia. She has an eight-year-old daughter. Right? It's like, hey, Virginia, do you want your fucking daughter to die in a climate apocalypse? Oh, no, I don't want to have a personal interest in the election. Look out for your fucking child. Yeah. What's the matter with Virginia you? Virginia Trelli's yeah. a bad mum. She's a bad mum? <laughs> I mean, the only- Sorry, Virginia, but hey, you're a little, bad mum. little eight-year-old little girl Trioli, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, one- we we swear too much for you. You should you should pause it. But two, emancipate yourself from your evil mother because she's sentencing you to death and thinking she's smart for doing it. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have a personal interest in anything that happens. That any in anything the government decides. And and really, the only thing that could explain that is she has such a sheer level of privilege that like she'll never have to rely on anything. That she thinks she's fucking inoculated from the climate crisis. This yeah. is the other thing. Like, I, all, all I could think about when I saw that tweet and whenever, like, an ABC person does something really fucking dumb, it's just like the ABC has gone through so many cuts, been bled dry for so many years now. Um, it's like a slow death. And just imagine all those ABC staffers who had been made redundant due to all those policies that have been directly <laughs> implemented by the government. <laughs> and they're looking at this tweet going, fuck you. <laughs> Mm. Absolutely fuck you. <laughs> I have no personal interest in the outcome of any election because I'm a fixture at the ABC and I'm all good. <laughs> like, your friends lost jobs. What the fuck? All right. I'm, I'm looking at Virginia Trulli's Wikipedia page and her husband's name is Mr. Skeleton. <laughs> Why is that funny? I hate this podcast. It's forced me to learn way too many facts about people that I really just like. Why do I know this now? <laughs> <laughs> That's dumb as fuck. <laughs> why, why are we giggling? Virginia Trioli, you're sentencing your daughter to death. Also, you married a guy called Mr. Skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's maybe uh, not a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think this is uh, this is yet another thing that we always try to like harken back to on this podcast. Is like it's people with funny names. <laughs> 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 it is it, it is the thing it is the thing of I have to close this tab I keep seeing <laughs> Russell Skeleton on there <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry everyone McLean you make the point um, it is it, you know, the, the main thing that we always keep coming back to is this exasperation with the media class and they are, they are trying to make themselves more and more a class of people who are <clears throat> integral to the functioning of society with a just a willful ignorance to the fact that they are people on this one earth living alongside other people. Like McLean, like you mentioned the, the climate catastrophe that is coming up and she has an eight year old daughter. She more than most other people has a massive platform to actually push, not even at this point, an ideological position, but a factual position on climate change and what needs to happen to revert or to, to fix it. And the fact that they will like they will try. It's active now. 
that they will just go, no, 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 does not affect us one way or the other. And mm. we are integral to society only so far as we can remain impartial. Mm. Meanwhile, people on the right wing will just abuse that with all of the bad faith talking points and arguments that they can ever get. And we just need, like, there are some journalists doing it. Shout out again, Jim Marlowe, fucking fantastic dude. But fuck, <laughs> guys, some of the old guard really need to fucking have a long, hard think about what journalism actually is. Even if you want to live and breathe journalism every single day, you have a an obligation towards humanity to also be a human and report on things that are affecting human beings honestly. It's well, just mind like, blowing. When we, when we say, oh, she's going to try and be impartial, like, what? This is about the future of the planet. This is about the life that your daughter will lead mm. in 30 years' time. And how are you. Oh, I've got to remain impartial about whether my daughter survives to the, 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 the like, a, a long and happy life. Why are you even wanting to be impartial mm. about that? Why is impartiality even a goal? It's the most ridiculous idea. Yeah. I mean, it's important to point out too that. We're long past the, I mean, and you've already been pointing out, we're long past the point of impartiality. And even people who are specifically professionally trained to be impartial, like scientists, climate scientists have said, we've been trying to be very objective and impartial for about the last 40 years, (laughs) hoping that journalists and politicians would take all of these objective, impartial numbers that were saying, oh, look, Here's the reading we're getting from this glacier that I'm impartially reporting to you. They haven't. We're now going, hey, uh, we live on this planet. Fucking do something. We've stopped being impartial. Climate scientists and every decent human being with a soul is saying, we care about this. We need to do something about this. So the fact that journalists can say, I don't really have a stake in this, means that they're leaving the value decisions to opinion columnists on AM radio or whatever and politicians um, and the people who like to influence those people. So, they're they're really failing us there. Well, that's, that's the thing is the impartiality that, that they're just pushing it out to the maximum possible extent where they're remaining impartial over whether everyone on earth should die. You're allowed to take a side about that. Yeah, they're you, taking you, the, the high the, road. Yeah. Yeah, this is... This is an exact callback to like having neo-Nazis and white nationalists on their platform. They they have mm. demonstrated that they're willing to take impartiality to genocidal ideation. Mm. Like at, th- yeah. at this point, I am not surprised that they are willing to try to remain impartial towards climate change because they've already said that like you know certain people of like in certain oppressed demographics can happily die on our watch. Like, why not just extend that to fucking everyone? Like, I'll, family I'll just included. include a little bit of foreshadowing here. Um, speaking of things that um, the ABC has both sized previously, they've also done this for vaccines. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, great. Uh, so, awesome. uh, like, look forward to that discourse in 2021. Uh, fuck. <laughs> like, are Thanks vaccines you. a thing? Or just like, should you give the COVID vaccine to your children? Yeah. Oh. They've had a long history of, like, allowing anti-vaxxers to say why they think vaccines are bad and, like, you know, uh, preservatives and mercury and whatever they claim is in vaccines. So, yeah, that's been a pot that's bubbling over and, yeah, you'll definitely see more of that in 2021. (laughs) Yeah, for impartiality, we've got Pete Evans to give the uh, opposing side on. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) Oh, two opinions. They're both probably good. (laughs) 
So uh, today, Sunday morning, uh, Daniel Andrews has announced that he is killing the Dolomite. Oh, yes. so good. <laughs> he he sh- he shot it in the head, and now it's dead. Fuck now, those little gremlins! I last saw a dolomite about thirty years ago. I don't know what they look like now. I'm just gonna Google they it. They look like, they have, like humans little tentacles. Now. They used to be like weird little freaky zombie oh! type things, but what? now they're just like oh. brats. Dogs. Now they're just yeah. cool kids. They, they used, used to, to be like- creepy jellyfish. Yeah, they used to look like octopus furbies. For anybody who wasn't Australian thirty years ago, what the fuck is a dolomite? <laughs> <laughs> so to our internet national listeners or anyone who's a Zoomer, Dolomites was the name of the school banking program that the Commonwealth Bank, an Australian bank that used to be a public bank but now is a a private enterprise, uh, had for schools uh, to teach kids about finance. And so you could, Mm -hmm. so when you, it was like a little yellow checkbook um, that you could get your pocket Mm. money. Uh, you could write out on your checkbook how much money you were going to deposit into the bank. Uh, for me, it was $2 every week. Um, yeah, yep, super yep. rich. Coin. Put it into the deposit book and someone would go around and collect all the deposit books and your yeah. teacher would take it to the bank. And that's how you learned about savings. It was a little banking in schools thing. Or if you grew up in uh, northern New South Wales, your teacher would take the checkbooks and then you'd open your Dolomites account four years later and realise that they were just sort of pocketing it and having like Wait, a couple really? of drinks <laughs> on Friday <laughs> afterwards. But um, <laughs> for the most part, what was supposed to happen is it went to the bank, yes. And it probably did. It was just my first bank account kind of thing. And for a lot of us, it was our first bank account. Yeah. It was absolutely mine. I got a Commonwealth bank account when I was, I don't know, I want to say six or something. That's Maybe. so grim in hindsight. Fuck. And I kept it till I was 30. That's the thing. I still get like a warm and fuzzy feeling in my tum tum when I see the Dolomites. Oh, Dolomite. And I see that yellow checkbook. I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember I that. Remember and how I remember like, feels. The, yeah, it only feels 90s squishy. kids will remember. When people talk about like the evil of the big four banks and like the crazy shit they've been getting up to, my brain still sees the Commonwealth Bank in that list and is like, they're the good guys, though. Yeah. yeah. Because I was- <laughs> They're my team. Freaking uh, propaganded as a, as a little kid to, to, to think that that's cute and nice and they care about children. It's yeah. Commonwealth Bank youth. Thinking about it now, it really does look like, like the People's Democratic of the Commonwealth Bank. Like, it's fucked. <laughs> real weird. That's the, I'm looking at this image and even thinking about the ghouls that run this massive, truly evil corporation, I, I'm distinctly aware of being like, nice. I feel nice <laughs> looking at that. Yeah. Because they got me as a kid. So, in addition to shooting the Dolomite, he um, Daniel Andrews has. <laughs> I love that. Sorry, so much. he just did. Dan Andrews standing there and like you know this Dolomite's like, Ooh. <laughs> and he just fucking kicks it over behind the like shed, a frames down the. Yeah, it's like a fucking Scorsese film. It's just like just shot down the barrel, <laughs> and it's still alive. It's crawling away. <laughs> Your savings account can't save you now. Walks back, shotgun over his shoulder. I'm doing it for Victoria. <laughs> Daniel um, Andrews is going to win in a landslide anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he So he's actually announced that um, they have, well, the Victorian government has disallowed uh, in-school um, banking programs like the Dolomites. <laughs> so I know that another one, another bank that is, uh, has had one of these programs is Bank of Melbourne. Um, that I've seen a lot of advertising for that on trams and uh, buses and that sort of thing where they've had like a cute little penguin that teaches you how to save. Uh, I don't know if the penguin has a cute name like 
uh, the Dolomites or whether it has tentacles or anything. But, um, yeah, so that's great. This is a really great move. Why Why was yeah. there ever banks in schools in the first place? Yes, kids need to learn it's how crazy. to, like, finance. But, like, you could teach that in terms of, like, actual ethical, you know, someone saying <laughs> yeah, don't take out like a loan. a government program to do that? <laughs> yeah. Because that's the thing. Does did, did any of us learn anything from Dolomites? Because I learned that bank accounts exist, and now I have one. Uh, and and the only thing they told us, I think, was just, "Hey, save money. Um, yeah. you put money in the bank, and I guess then it's you can later. buy stuff." Yeah, and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, there was no educational component no. to it." I think it was. Sp- th- we got told, like, I think we had one lesson when we f- first all got our checkbooks about like compound interest. Um, did you? Yeah. Oh like, god, yeah. Oh. We would have been we would have been like- told very, very vaguely. It's like, yeah, if you put two bucks in there like, later in the year, that two bucks will generate one cent. Huh, give I, I would have been like seven years old. So I'd like, what the fuck is a compound interest? What is a percent? I'm not going to know. <laughs> yeah. It's like cool. I get Give more, money to the bank. I get more the free bank money. Is your friend. Yeah, I think I think it was taught to us in like, if you put money in the bank account, uh, you will have money for later, and also the bank gives you free money for some reason. And I was like, cool, I get free money. Now, colour in these dolomites. Worth worth pointing out, too, with this idea that because Dan Andrews has said that he wants to get rid of dolomites and these sort of things and then also put more focus on financial education into these schools. And he has backing to do it. Uh, Australia's corporate regulator ASIC has actually found that there is, quote, little evidence they work at you know, teaching children to save and about financial literacy and whatnot. Instead, we've got some of the highest household debt in the world. So mm. 90s kids absolutely didn't learn a fucking thing from Dolomites. No. They just went, oh shit, like Commonwealth Bank is my friend. I got a letter from the Commonwealth Bank. Hey, do you want a, like a credit card? Yes, I do, friend. Thank you. Free money. Num, 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 num. Oh, fuck, I'm in crippling debt. I've got some gronk called Bubba calling me three times a day threatening <laughs> me. This is great. Thanks, Dolomites. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's absolutely just, just early recruiting. And it's worth billions of dollars to the to the bank. Yeah. What's this say? Ten billion dollars to the bank, like in a year? Because it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed um, customers starting from age seven. And the yeah, the, the yeah. craziest part about it, and I I remember this very specifically about having my Dolomites account that turned into like a regular you know adult uh, savings account, is that they don't tell you that when you turn eighteen. Well, they didn't at the time, and I'm pretty sure it's still hidden up until a certain point, um, they start charging fees almost immediately. Mm. And if you've just had your Dolomites account and you just forget about it, suddenly you're going to have like $200 in fees and then you get red letter red letters from the bank saying, <laughs> hey, give us $200. Um, happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Welcome to the real world, kid. I'm just wondering what else we could start um, selling to kids while they're in school under the guise of education. Could we have used car lots? Coal. In- in just coals, natural gas, little coal yeah, mines. Yeah. Get those nimble little fingers working under well, cotton mills. So this, this is this is the thing that really like um, I haven't thought about dolomites until we started talking about it for the show, and it is genuinely like really dark to think about mm. that if dolomites, the program, is worth ten billion dollars to the Commonwealth Bank. That means that the Commonwealth Bank has $10 billion worth of kids' money to invest in, like, fossil fuel industries. Oh, yeah. And in the continuation of the climate degradation, that's really dark. To be funneling money away from the people whose futures you are 
destroying. I, c- I can see the rationality, mm. though, in being like, well, they're not going to have a future to enjoy the money with anyway. We may as well oh, make good use grim. of it now. Oh, God, Mitch, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I'm just making a <laughs> cold, a rational... I'm there. just being impartial to the situation, guys. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's true. We don't want to seem biased as to whether alive children <laughs> is desirable or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Virginia Trioli, I don't really care either way. I think it's more that we fucking shouldn't have any corporate-sponsored programs in schools anywhere. We shouldn't even... I'm going to go so far as to say maybe the Scholastic Book Fair shouldn't be in schools. Like, yeah, I don't want to look into that. selling oh, things. That's a bold take. I right? like it. Yeah, right? but you know we what? We like being bold here. And here's the thing. I fucking I like the Scholastic Book Fair, but it is a bookshop run by an external company run in your school during school hours. 100%. Like, it was Keating Cousin or something. Like, there's like there's no way it's not corrupt. That was definitely, like, in our school, in our primary school, that was definitely, like, the rich kids could get the, the Scholastic Books. And yeah. I was like, Scholastic no, Books man. recommends Atlas Shrugged. Oh, wait, what? It's a distribution <laughs> book catalogue for fucking kids in schools. I don't want any school. You can sure you can have your jump rope for heart or something. You can have some charities, maybe. <laughs> Taking a hard line on charity. Maybe. Stink eye towards charity. Yeah, I'm watching you though. What's your annual turnover, Oxfam? Why are we using children to raise money for charities? Get the adults to fucking do it. Have jump rope for heart in your banks. Why are you having it in your schools? Just have kids jumping rope for fitness. Because kids are idiots. They'll do anything. Like, yeah, exactly. Ooh, exactly. Asses. Give us two bucks. Um, Why? Just do it. Uh, but okay. Lang, how else are we going to neuter children's ideas of what activism means? Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. It's about doing activities and then money appears somewhere and then we give that money to uh, someone. Yeah, the 40-hour okay. famine actually worked. Did it? No, it didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, me eating, me eating barley sugars for two days straight definitely solved world poverty. It made you aware that hunger was a thing, I guess, but you could do that with a classroom activity where you actually talk about and examine, like, world hunger issues and, and, and geopolitical stuff. It doesn't need to be... Oh, look, I'm not going to get into charities being good or bad. I think that's a separate thing. But we need public schools running for public... And actually, I want one more thing. I want one more thing. We have educational resources made by, and I've talked about this before, the Mining Council. The Minerals Council makes little picture books for kids about what is a mine? Oh, here's a wombat and he's starting a brand new coal mine. And when he's done with it, they'll fill it back in and turn it into a park. It's Willy, the FIFO wombat. He's oh. coming down on a, a meth bender. I've just had a brainwave. <laughs> okay, this is my this is my big brain take. Do you remember, mm. like, in school, um, in Australian schools, there's, like, a lot of stuff about the gold fever of the eight, eight, 1850s? Yeah. Like, there was, uh, like, yeah. heaps of shit about it. I Never any mention of the um, of the Eureka Rebellion, but otherwise, yes. No, like, I mean, I grew up in Ballarat, there was. It's just non, non-stop about, like, gold rush and gold fever and that sort of thing. I feel like that's, like, a sort of, like, priming kids to think about mining and, like, how cool it is to, like, strike, like, something really valuable and you could have it for yourself. And so, like, when you're an adult, you can be like, mining is cool because then you can get stuff that makes you rich. Hey, kid, do you want to touch some opals? Yeah, never talk shit about Jenna Reinhardt again. <laughs> Scholastic has been criticised for inappropriately marketing for children. <laughs> Damn it, Lang. Consumer groups have also attacked Scholastic for selling too many toys and video games to children rather than focusing on just books. Yeah, but video games rule. Okay, um, 
I just want to get back to banks uh, for a second, though, because they're kind of a big a big deal. We had that global <laughs> financial crisis in 2008, which was caused by this whole weird mortgage situation. But to boil it down, correct me if I'm wrong, it was mostly banks lending too much money to people who they just lent out so much money that it, it turned out that it couldn't all be paid back properly and then you'd create this weird debt bubble. But specifically- And then when that burst, everything yeah. went bad. Specifically, they knew they were doing that. That's the right. big thing. It wasn't accidental. It was predatory lending. They but were they were lending like, we're to too people, big to fail. Yeah, they, had, they were lending to people that had no hope of paying it back properly, who were getting mm-hmm. into way too much debt that they knew defaults would happen, but they did it anyway. And so basically half the economy of the world got propped up with money that didn't exist. So when that happened in Australia, we got out of it a lot better than a lot of other places. Yeah, we, we did happen okay. to have labor in we ha- yeah. Literally the best and for a while. Partly we happened to have labor in power at that point and they did some pretty good stimulus stuff, but they also introduced these things in two thousand and nine called responsible lending obligations for banks, which is just just real basic common sense stuff. Uh, banks have to make sure customers might be able to pay back their loans, <laughs> which is what they already were kind of meant to be doing, but weren't a lot of them. Um, and and you can find them, and they're hilariously weak. And I'm going to list them. And while I'm doing this, I want you to keep in mind that currently the government is going to get rid of these again because they're onerous red tape. So here are the responsible lending obligations. All right. The banks have yes. to... Make reasonable inquiries about a customer's financial situation. Oof. Oh, boy. Can't have a bank knowing your financial situation. Two. Cut down on the loans. Take reasonable steps to verify the financial situation. Hmm. Uh, That sounds intrusive. mm, Yeah. Make a preliminary assessment or a final assessment onto whether the credit contract is unsuitable or not for the consumer. I feel like the consumer (laughs) would be the better judge of that. And if the consumer requests it, be able to provide them with a written copy of the preliminary or final assessment. Well, if they wanted an assessment, they could do it themselves. And that's pretty much it. And so basically this is like, hey, before you give someone a loan, check uh, if that loan is right for them (laughs) and if they will ever be able to pay it back. That's Uh, it. It's like check at all. (laughs) Do... Do any part of your job that we expect you to do already. No. Like we'll this put whole, it in that whole list could be replaced with one word, which is check. Here's the thing, <laughs> though. <laughs> Banks already have all of this information. They already know who the customer is. They already do a little internal assessment. What this is really making them do is be responsible for that. You have to acknowledge that you are doing this assessment and that you have considered that this customer can pay it back and you've said, yeah, they can. Because without this, you often have banks just going, fuck it, we'll issue lo- loans to everybody. And if it turns out they can't pay them back, we go, ah, oh, well, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, dear, ah. Oh. This is forcing them to go, nah, we considered it and we issued the loan anyway. I should also point out that this relaxation that's happening now it's actually happening coincidentally at a time that the Select Committee on Financial Technology and Regulatory Technology, which is a, a Senate inquiry into financial tech uh, or basically startups who get involved in like giving financing, um, that is just wrapped up in October. It's been running for about a year now. They're going to present their final results in April next year. And the interesting thing about this is there has been a lot of talk over the last few years about certain companies 
that have not been banks, but they're allowing customers to take out what is essentially a loan. So the companies that I'm referring to here are companies like Afterpay, ZipPay. If if you're an online shopper, you've definitely seen all these names before. And all these companies are constantly saying, no, we're not banks. We're not giving a line of credit. We're just, we're just allowing people to pay in four easy installments. Uh, Afterpay has no interest. ZipPay does, and I think some others do. Um, but of course they are. They're literally yeah. like they're, they're paying for you on behalf of you and giving you a loan. Um, if you're hanging on to someone's money and you're doing stuff with that money and you're giving and taking money, you're, you're a financial institution. You're a financial you're a institution. <laughs> and the crazy thing we're about this is- We're not giving people a line of credit. We're just allowing them to <laughs> have us pay for a thing and then they pay for it later. But that's not, it's not credit. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they've made this submission um, to, this, uh, to this inquiry. Um, the, the most incredible part of this is this is- essentially wiped out the use of credit cards in millennials and Zoomers, oh. or at least Zoomers who are above 18. And, and when you say wiped out the use of credit cards, it's just you mean replacing the physical card. Yes. They're still using credit, yes. right. just not using the card. They're still, they're still using credit in the, in the form of afterpay. And remember the context of the time that we're in. What was afterpay's share price at the start of the year, you might ask? Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a fucking pandemic thing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, at the start of this year, Afterpay's share price was $33. Do you want to have a guess what it is now? Mm. $34. $66. It is, it is, ni- it is $94. Oh, they've fucking done the triple. And so, what you're saying is, hang on a second, no one has money though, so they won't be able to pay back the loan. So can we still loan them the money that they can't pay back? And here is the cliff we're about to fall off. For fuck's sake. Oh, God. <laughs> well, thank God for us that Afterpay isn't a loan. Otherwise, we'd be in real trouble. Yeah, we'd be loaning money to people with no money. And you know what's fucking even more insane about it? Like, there's constantly ar- articles just about, like, gloating about how big Afterpay share price is at the moment. And whether it can double in the next month. Who's going to benefit from that? Because are these people buying shares with Afterpay? Yeah, I mean, or- fuck me after this <laughs> podcast. Holy shit, I'm doing all that. <laughs> like, because the thing is with Afterpay is that, yeah, sure, there's no interest on it. But if you miss a payment, you have to pay a great big whopping fee at the, like that's tacked onto the amount that you owe. Right. And Jesus you keep on missing Christ. payments, you're going to keep on having to pay those fees. And then you get debt. Oh, so they only charge the interest to the people who can't afford to pay them back. That's right. Yeah, it's a good business model. That benefits society. I, of course, as a media personality, am impartial (laughs) as to whether that's good or bad. It's going back to that ideological thing of, you know, poor people are also bad people. And they're bad people because they're poor. So don't worry about us punishing them. You, a good person, can pay all your debt back. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, if they were making good decisions for themselves, yeah. they'd be allowed. They'd be able to pay the debt back. They should have been born in a better decade. So we're not punishing people for being poor. We're punishing them for making bad decisions, which is the right thing to punish people for. The, mm. I remember having a conversation about Afterpay uh, on Twitter with some people, and um, someone was saying to me, you know, I couldn't have afforded to get this fridge I really needed um, if it wasn't for Afterpay because it's not like I'd be able to borrow money from the bank. I'd be immediately declined. So I'm really glad that Afterpay's there. Uh, I'm a bit worried about how I'm going to make these payments, though, because, like, I'm not sure where my job is going at the moment. And, mm. like, immediately in my head, I'm like, oh, fucking, like, 
yeah, it, it's great that the the uh, free economy is allowed you know people to have these interest free loans allegedly uh, that are technically not loans but they're still loans. Um, and now all of them are going to get like you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of fees racked up because they none of them can meet their payments. It's kind of like a loan shark, but without the the family community benefits. <laughs> All the money just goes to a Silicon Valley bro. Oh my God. And, and just like yeah. five years ago, we had like investigations into like loan sharks and class actions against cash, cash converters. So we're going to do this shit all over again. Uh, yeah, Lang, are you saying that like family community benefits coming from places like cash converters or from organized crime? Well, I'm <laughs> saying organized <laughs> criminals live in our community and so the money is staying local. <laughs> Uh, Breaking news, this just in from 2018. (laughs) We missed an important thing on the Dolomites scandal, which is that apparently thousands of Dolomite accounts were fraudulently set up by retail branch staff as part of a widespread scam because, like, they would get some kind of incentives or, or, or they were trying to hit targets or something. And so... Just, yeah, just bonuses yeah, for bringing yeah. in new customers, I guess. And so bank staff were either using the bank's money or loose change or their own money or whatever to illegitimately, like, set up youth saver accounts or or when parents signed their kids up for Dolomites but didn't put money in within 30 days. And if you don't do that, then the sign-ups don't happen um, because <laughs> they're like, oh, this didn't really get activated. So they were like... They were like fake activating Dolomites accounts, like a vending machine for corruption. <laughs> this is like Jesus legit. Christ. This is this is what happened. Like in in the the global financial crisis and in the banking royal commission, it was found out that you know these like fraudulent accounts were being opened. Or if you opened a credit card account with one company, they would also give an another like debit savings account in your name that you didn't ask for, and that was illegal. Or they'd sign up dead people and whatnot. But Commonwealth Bank taking the fucking cake. Opening up and fraudulently activating children's dolomite accounts and this happened thousands. for their bonuses. This happened thousands oh, of j- times, fuck. and and it was this is this is the quote from the from the the inquiry. It was now is now being confirmed that the activation of youth saver accounts from either discrepancy funds or from staff funds is somewhat common practice, which is banking <laughs> fraud. That's banking fraud. <laughs> Oh my god! It's Gladys Berejiklian. and well, uh, everyone does it, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> no, it's Gladys worse. Gladys Berejiklian signing up all their nieces it. and nephews to Dolomite accounts. Get on there. <laughs> yeah. So the that's the final bank. action. If if your if your bank account is still with Commonwealth specifically, and you have even a little bit of thought in your brain of like, oh, the Dolomites were cute though, just remember that that was the Commonwealth Bank intentionally poisoning your soul <laughs> as a child so that you would like yeah. them. <laughs> But it's okay, guys, because the economy is going to be fixed with gas. Remember, because we're, we're fixing the economy with gas. Because gas, oh, right? Oh, it's the gas-fired recovery. Yeah, yep. it neither employs anybody, nor does it lower <laughs> energy prices, nor does that money actually go to Australian companies. But fuck it, we're all in on gas. Um, I'm going to keep this brief because it's actually um, the Narrabri new coal seam gas things have all been approved. It's 850 gas wells in farmland and pillager forests in in, in New South Wales. Oh, congratulations to the Narrabri uh, gas people. I yeah. remember we were talking about those as a good good <clears throat> coffee shop customers really, a couple of weeks ago. Oh. That's beautiful. That's right. And they're giving money to, um, you know, little paid journalists um, and, and stuff. <laughs> 
And the New South Wales government, you know, approved this and, and everyone else approved this. And there was a bit of, oh, maybe it won't get approved because it's devastating the, the global ecosystem. But then it got approved anyway. Um, and the New South Wales government also released a statement saying, yeah, this is great. Also, we're going to investigate that area as a location for a special precinct that will streamline further approvals. And I'm like, how does it get more streamlined? <laughs> like, like, what? The fact that they have to submit for an approval at all, honestly, we should just say, just drill where you want. They just replace Susan Lee's, like, rubber stamping thing <laughs> with one of those, like, um, up and down little duck toys. That- <laughs> <laughs> We've streamlined the approvals process. But I wanted to talk about this because the approvals body has already been streamlined. This The final body here is the IPC, which is the Independent Planning Committee. They got streamlined because... They committed the great sin of, at some point, rejecting a coal mine a year or two ago. A coal mine got rejected because it was going to be this massive coal mine that would obviously devastate the global uh, climate, environment, life, uh, everything. And and they went, hang on a second, even though this will create some short-term, very local jobs, this is going to be devastating on a global long-term scale. That's bad. And they rejected it and the Minerals Council lost their shit and they lobbied (laughs) super, super hard to everybody they could publicly, privately, that this independent planning committee would be just like altered and restricted. Um, The entire point of this planning committee is to restrict mining and the Minerals Council. The Minerals Council just being like, it's the approvals process. Not the rejections process. What are you doing? The fact that there's ever the risk that they might not be approved is somehow just... What? I don't understand. But my favourite bit of this is that the head of the New South Wales Mineral Council, Stephen Galilee, um, who I don't know anything about. This is the first time I've read his name, but I'm happy to say he's a piece of shit. Um, (laughs) For a multitude of reasons. But he says... The Minerals Council, he's trying to get some sympathy. We're like a small business. We've got 14 employees, a turnover of up to $7 million. We're just a small business. We don't need more (laughs) more onerous integrity regulations unless these environmental groups are not-for-profits who are also lobbying for stuff are subjected to the same. And it's like, sorry, my issue here isn't the specific activities of the Minerals Council. I'm, I'm pretty sure those 14 people in that office in New South Wales aren't contributing much to the global carbon emissions, but you happen to represent the biggest, most powerful industry in Australia. You're not a small business. You're a PR front for a friggin' apocalyptic hegemony. (laughs) One thing I will say, though, is that a lot of studies do seem to suggest that, like, the top 1% of corporate people and flyers especially do contribute sure. way too much to, to climate change so sure, not only sure. are they individuals compared to the businesses they represent absolutely not compared to other individuals absolutely but but it doesn't change the fact that we're not trying to regulate the activity of those 14 employees yeah, exactly we're trying to regulate the activity of the 850 gas wells. Just, just the idea that the, the offices of the like Minerals Council can be like, well, we put some solar panels on. We've actually gone what? green, so lay off. Well, <laughs> no! That's the thing, this Narrabri coal seam, this is coal seam gas. This is one of the worst kinds of fossil fuels you can have. It's probably worse than a lot of kinds of coal. They've, they've, they've said we'll offset the activities of our coal seam gas plants. So they're going to offset their, you know, their, their trucks and their, their, you know, generators and stuff, but they don't have to offset 
the actual gas they produce, which is the vast majority Fuck. of their impact. Like 99.9% of their impact is uh. they fucking make gas. That is not factored in. That's not counted. They don't have to worry about that. They just have to worry about the ute they drive to and from the office. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly the same as, as Australia saying that our fossil fuel exports mm-hmm. don't count towards our emissions. Yep. We're like, oh, we don't burn that much coal. We just sell it to other people. Right. And whether they burn it or not is none of our business. It's the classic, I'm a drug dealer, but I don't do that many drugs. So I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a fan of like blaming individuals for like, you know, larger outcomes, but I'm pretty sure all <laughs> those 14 people are also flying around yeah. a lot more um, to we can all their various them. junkets and everything. for, And so they make a bigger like carbon imprint than your average small business. So... Also, uh, <laughs> you, it's a systemic problem, and the New South Wales Minerals Council is the system. So, yeah, yeah we're blaming them. We're blaming you, Stephen Galilee. <laughs> I know you listen to this. You're you're to blame. <laughs> Je blame. Je blame. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shoutouts this week. I wanted to put in a little shout out to uh, a new podcast that's come out called Hidden Cities. Uh, it's a little dive into housing policy and how that affects real people. It's not really a sort of a banter comedy based podcast. It's a it's an information and uh, you know talking to experts based podcast. But uh, yeah, I found it really interesting. They had an episode about the new. Uh, funding for social housing and community housing in Victoria that we spoke about last week and why it's actually pretty shit. So, you know, if you're ever up for finding out why the government secretly sucks even though they're saying good things sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) Hidden Cities, yet another uh, entry on that list for you to check out. Uh, Another recommendation for this week, uh, the most recent Floodcast episode, Return of the Cancelled, which is largely about political campaigns doing character assassinations. Funnily enough hosted by someone who has also been politically assassinated recently or attempted to be. Politically ca- character assassinated Character assassinated. <laughs> That's a good yeah, we're not talking about friendly Geordies. We're- <laughs> <laughs> this episode also features Paul McMillan, uh, who was on Lydia Thorpe's campaign and experienced this himself. He's also written a great blog post about that experience, which we'll link to in the show notes. Uh, it's also got uh, Joe Nilsson on it, who is the host of Chronically Fully Sick and was another person who was character assassinated by the Labour Party. Uh, this is, um, the you know, the Mean Girls Gate uh, controversy that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. It's about that. So if you wanted to hear more about that, that's what they're talking about. And I think I think the action this week, it's an action we do a lot, but fuck it, do it again. Uh, change your bank. Change the uh, bank. D- d- Commonwealth, they tried to lie to you when you were children. Those Dolomites, oh. they're not real. Shoot they're not the really Dolomite your in your brain. Oh, my yeah. childhood. Yeah. <laughs> my memories of childhood. I was promised so much at the end of history and now here we are. Oh, my Dolomite <laughs> friends, I couldn't even trust them. Look at these little fuzzle <laughs> bugs with their little hairdos. Here's the main thing. Like, like... <laughs> Just start another account at another place. That's the first thing. Like, look at yeah. like credit Bank unions. Australia or wherever. Yeah, or some, a credit yeah, union. Credit unions. Credit unions are great. Bank of Australia is good. Yeah, and the website to to find out all the good banks and superannuations and all the facts about that is Market Forces. Marketforces dot org Just Google Market Forces. Um, or just Google it. <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at NotGoodPod on all the socials or email us at NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com. Please email us. We love emails. <laughs> we don't really have a preference between emails and being hit on social media, though. Like, we still get the message. We I, just like, I prefer yeah, social. Like, people talking to us. Yeah, um, Mitch prefers social. Evie prefer, prefers emails. But that's because her name kind of sounds like email. <laughs> what? Oh, I just think it's really personal it and nice. What? <laughs> I agree. Oh, also another action. If you're anywhere near, if you're anywhere near Narrabri, they reckon they've won. You can go and change yourself to a gate or something because there's a lot of stuff and people are going to be doing a lot of stuff to stop those coal seam gas projects. They, they go, oh, this, this is the last step. No, fuck them. We'll stop them getting it through. It's like a Donnie. Yeah. They thought they won. Ah, no, they still haven't done that coal mine yet. So let's see. Sorry, that should have gone up in, in action. Yeah, no, let's put it in the tag out. Whatever. <laughs> There's no rules. <laughs> Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their oldest past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.